Romans chapter 3, verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one, he will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do then we overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Well, children, I wonder if you've ever sung this song. Well, I'm the, I'm the king of the castle. You're the... You haven't. Well, you're really godly, godly children. Well done. I love singing, I'm the king of the castle. You're the dirty rascal. If ever I get an opportunity... Uh, I wonder if you ever said this, my dad's bigger than your dad. Probably not for a long time, but maybe in the playground. Uh, you, you, you might have done that. I wonder if you've ever um, seen your football team win at Wembley and loved uh, Queen singing out, we are the champions. And you know how it ends, we are the champions, you are the losers. You're looking at me in disgust. I know what you're like. I know you love to boast. We all love to boast. I remember when I was growing up, my mum teaching me about boasting. I don't know why I remember her particularly teaching me that. Um, but she used to tell me about how adults boast a bit more subtly than children do. They say things like, oh yeah, I just uh, parked the Mercedes outside. And I remember thinking, now oh, that's, that's not really subtle boasting. That's more like sort of David Brent boasting, isn't it? But, but the reality is we do love to boast, don't we? I love to boast. I suspect you love to boast as well. I just love it. Just in in around the house, if I ever lift a finger, I really want to make sure Harriet sees it. Um, I really want people to know when I have done a good deed. We don't even use words for our boasting often, do we? Um, But why do we like to boast? Why do we like to boast? We all like to boast, don't we? Or even if we don't like to boast, that the reason for boasting is this, that we all love, is we want people to think highly of ourselves. Because we want to think highly of ourselves. It's it's part of the human condition. And of course, everyone's like this, aren't they? Everyone loves to boast. But it's true in the Christian life as well, isn't it? We, sadly, we love to boast. Uh, We think, well, I'm better than uh, unbelievers. I'm better than unbelievers because I know the truth. And they don't know the truth. Of course, we never say that. But I think if we examine ourselves, we'll often feel ourselves just looking down at unbelievers... Sometimes I guess it's sort of a moral thing. We think, oh, I'm glad I don't get involved in, in, in that sort of stuff. Uh, yesterday we drove out to um, Shevin to um, a place called Surprise View. And for us the surprise was there was no view because it was so misty. Um, but as we drove out we went up the Otley Road. And of course the Otley runs, well, I don't know when it started properly, but um, you cannot miss it. And it's just total debauchery, isn't it? And it's very hard not to drive past it and just think, yeah, I'm glad I'm better. I'm glad I'm glad, but I didn't get up to that sort of stuff. Um, or as a believer, you might look down unbelievers think, yeah, well, um, at least I've got a much more holistic worldview, a much more complete worldview. We were thinking about a student focus about um, is Christianity rational? And one of the things, um, while I was doing teaching, one of the things I was trying to explain was actually I think Christianity is not only rational, I think it's the most rational worldview. 
And if you believe that, like I do, then the temptation is to think, actually, yeah, just the most rational. We're the most rational people. Just slightly look down your noses at others. But I, again, if you're like me, you don't just look down on unbelievers. You can even look down on, on believers. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a better believer than you. I, I know the scriptures better than you. Uh, I, I serve a little bit more than you do. I uh, go to more Christian union meetings than you do, maybe if you're a student. Have you ever thought about that? Or uh, maybe the, the more superior form of boasting is I just get up a little bit earlier than you. Yeah, yeah, my quiet time. I just need a little bit longer than you do. Uh, I'm, I'm probably weaker, but really, I spend more time in the Word than you do. I'm not suggesting we have these conversations, but have you ever found yourself thinking like that? Well, today we're going to see that all that boasting, all that bragging, has no place in Christianity. And as I've been rehearsing what we do, I hope you've, you've been thinking, that sounds ridiculous. Uh, boasting does just sound ridiculous when we make it sound that crass. And yet we, we all do it, don't we? we all do, I suspect we all do it. I suspect some of us probably do it all the time. Some of us probably so, so subtle we barely notice us doing it. But it's, again, I think it's part of the human condition, even for Christians, and maybe particularly for Christians sometimes, to boast. And today we're going to think about what it means, uh, the opposite of boasting. The opposite of boasting is to be humble. And someone uh, a few years ago um, helpfully articulated to me what is true humility. And there's a temptation to think of um, true humility as thinking, not I'm better than you, but I'm worse than you. But that's not humility either. Because the problem of that is you're really thinking about yourself all the time. This is what true humility is. Not thinking less about ourselves but sorry not thinking less of ourselves but thinking less about ourselves ourselves become no longer the subject of our lives and my aim today in this sermon is to help you and me help less uh, about ourselves and to help us think more of the Lord Jesus Christ less about ourselves and more of the Lord Jesus Christ now, we've had our reading, and obviously we're not even halfway through it letter yet, but it's a, it's, um, it's a substantial argument the Apostle Paul's developing. And just to summarise where we've got to, the Apostle Paul has said he's boasting. He's not used that word yet, but he says he's not ashamed of something. And he's not ashamed of the gospel, this really good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, because the Lord Jesus Christ saves all who believe. And this good news is like a diamond. And to help us to see this diamond in all its beauty and all its clarity, he's developed a really dark backcloth against which he shows us how much we need this good news. He's saying God is angry with all humanity because of our rebellion against him, because of our turning away from him, from our lack of worship of him, because we do things that we ought not to do. And we know we do those things. And Paul says it's not only people who are doing the Otley Run, it's not just people outside of the church, it's people who are religious. We do the things that ought not to be done. God is angry with the, with the non-religious and the religious alike. Not because he's got a temper problem, but because we are wicked and we deserve his anger and his anger is right. And he concludes the first part of his letter by saying there's no one righteous. We said it in our confession. The religious are unrighteous. The irreligious are un- unrighteous. We're all unrighteous. But then this beautiful word comes, the word but. But. Even though by our nature we have no right to approach God. We are not right with God. 
But God has done something to give us a righteousness, to give us acceptance by him through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And as he was nailed to the cross, as his blood was shed, he gives us his righteousness. He says we are righteous and he treats us as we are righteous, even when our behaviour isn't righteous. So that's really the background of where we got to today. And then we get these verses. And the main thing we're really going to see in these verses, and the Apostle Paul, and therefore the Lord Jesus Christ, is telling us this. Boasting is impossible. I've been talking about boasting, but for the Christian, boasting is impossible because we've been saved by Christ. We've been 100% saved by Christ. That's why boasting is impossible. And uh, in one sense, the application today is don't boast. But if you hear me say don't boast, it can sound like another job you've got to do. Uh, you're immoral on this, you're immoral on that, and you're also boasting. Now stop boasting, stop your boasting. And what I'm trying to communicate today is not boasting. It's not just another thing we don't have to do. But to not boast is to be free from the burden of looking inwardly at ourselves. And if anything like me, you would long to be free from that. I find myself looking internally all the time. Yes, religiously, but in terms of security. Where do I fit? Where's my place in this group that I'm part of? Uh, where, where do I fit in my job? How am I doing? How am I doing as a father? How am I doing as a father? To look internally. Now, of course, it's not bad to want to live in the right way. But to always be internally looking can be very unhealthy. Again, I, I wonder if you're you ever do this, you, you see a wonderful thing on television, maybe a great, you listen to a great piece of music, a great violinist or something, and you think, oh yeah, imagine if that was me. Or you watch a great sports team, and uh, someone scores an incredible goal, and you just sort of quietly on your own in the corner of the room thinking, yeah, imagine if that was me. What would everyone think of me? That would be great. Or have you ever been around the situation where somebody in your group is really funny or really liked? You think, hmm, I wish I was that funny. I wish I was that liked. It's endemic, our boasting, and it comes into the Christian life. And what I want to do is just free us completely of that burden. And the way in which we do that is by looking at the Lord Jesus Christ and treasuring him totally and realising I never have to boast about anything ever because I have everything I need in Christ so that's the aim. You can be the judge whether or not I succeed at it. Now what this passage does is it's sort of split up into four sections by four rounds of questions. It's more than four questions. Sometimes Paul asks questions um, two at a time. But I want to take these four questions and see what we can uh, draw from them. So um, look with me at verse 27, chapter 3, verse 27. We get the first, the first uh, round of questions. Well, it's just one question this time. So chapter 3, verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. Just to round the question off a little bit more, to to flesh it out, I should say. um, The Apostle Paul says, we've been entirely saved by Christ. Well, if that's true, what becomes of our boasting is excluded. I mean, obviously, because we haven't done anything. But Christ has saved us. Now, what I want us to notice here is that, I mean, the main thing here is just saying bye-bye boasting. Bye-bye boasting. But what Paul does here is he doesn't say you, should, you, sh- you shouldn't boast. Or, um, he says, you do. it's assumed in the question that we're all natural boasters. Then what becomes of our boasting? The question is not, should, should we boast? 
I mean, I don't boast, but should I boast? The question is, what becomes of the fact that I boast all the time? What becomes of our boasting? And obviously the answer is, is there's no boasting. Boasting has no place in the Christian life. Uh, children, I wonder if when you're doing family devotions and you get asked a question, if your hand is first to go up, and the reason you ask, answer the question is you want to show to your brothers and sisters that you are the best child, or you want to live your, you, you want to win your parents' approval. Have you ever done that? Um, maybe it happens at Sunday school. Maybe all the adults were all through. You were in here, and you just wanted to show the teacher uh, how wonderful you were. I, I do the same in the Christian life all the time. I, I often think of not of Christ, but of my Christian pedigree. I think, well, I'm born into a a Christian family. They weren't atheists. They weren't agnostics. Um, They had a holistic worldview. They weren't Muslims. They picked the right religion. And then I think, oh, I've been very busy at church. In fact, I was so busy at church, I got ordained. I'm now a superior breed of Christian. And then that wasn't good enough, so I decided to be a missionary, to become an elite of the elite. And then, um, now, yeah, I don't do a secular job. I work for the Lord full-time. It is so easy. And look, of course, so that is all nonsense. But the point is, is by nature, I do it. And I suspect by nature, you do it as well. We talked about it earlier, but do you ever look down at those on the world? Do you look down at your housemates? Do you look down at those you work with? Do you think you're more moral than them? Do you think you're more intelligent than them? Do you look down at others at church even, in this congregation, because you serve more? I wonder if you look down at other churches, you think, well, they're not reformed, they're not Presbyterian. Like us, never mind, poor them, we're better. Do you do that? Is that your habit? It sounds Christian, but in the first, sorry, it sounds crazy, but in the first question, it's assumed that we boast. Now, obviously, we're told not to boast, but we're natural at boasters. We're, we're diagnosed with a problem. We love to boast, don't we? It's our habit. We all do it. And Paul's saying, it's excluded. It's excluded. Now he goes on. Let's look at the second set of questions. I'll read from verse 27 again, but I'll keep reading. So verse 27. What then becomes of our boasting is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that no one is justified. Sorry, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Well, why is boasting excluded? That's the question. And then there's a suggested answer. Is it by the law of works? The law of works. Why would a law of works, or we should say here a principle of works, it's quite difficult when you see the word law in Romans. It could mean one of a few similar things, but a bit different things. And here, this word law is saying sort of principle. Is it by a principle? I can't boast because of the principle of works. In other words, God requires this. But I've only done that, and therefore I can't boast because I've fallen short. Is that the reason I can't boast? Well, that would be a reason why you can't boast. Because you've not done what God requires. I've not done what God requires, so of course I can't boast. So is that the reason why boasting is excluded? Is it the law of works? No. So whilst it could be a law of works, that, that would be a reason to exclude the law of works... That is not what Paul's got in sight on here. Because if we're living our lives by the law of works, in one sense there's still a hypothetical chance 
that we might be able to be good enough for God through a law of works. That I might be good enough. Okay, I didn't win the race, but I entered the race. I didn't win the race, I didn't even get a podium finish, but I came fourth place. Nearly, but not quite. I knew it was the right thing to give it a go. That is not what Paul is saying here. And the reason for that is because the law of works is asking the wrong question. The law of works is asking you if you're good enough. Are you good enough? How did you do? And see, if you focus on the law of works, it's still about you and your performance. Even if you can't boast before God, you can still look down upon others who who have fallen even further than you have from the standard. So the law of works, that is a, a reason why we can't boast, but it's not the reason why we can't boast. The reason, as we see that Paul says... It is the law of faith, or the principle of faith, we should say. We don't boast, because we're justified by our faith in Jesus Christ. We heard about that last week. What does it mean to have faith in Jesus Christ? It means to look to the cross. You see, being right with God, being justified by God, being told that we're right by God and being treated as if we're right by God, by being accepted by God, is not about our performance. It's not about us at all. You see, our righteousness, our acceptance with God, has been taken entirely out of our hands and been given to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we can't boast about this, if we can't boast about our faith, because you could say, but I've at least had faith in the right thing, it actually teaches us what the nature of faith is, because we can't boast about our faith either. See, faith is not, I've made the right decision. It's saying to God, it's saying to God, help me, God. I'm helpless and I'm hopeless. Please help me. I'm a rebel against your anger. Please help me. John's illustrated this a few weeks ago. Let me, let me go in a, a similar but different way. Just imagine, I mean, I heard there were a couple of students who went on the university surfing weekend away, and that really caught my imagination because um, in my mind's eye, I'm a, a, <laughs> I'm a surfer, I'm a failed surfer, but I can imagine the beach, you know, you, you go to this beach and it's very windy and the waves are huge and there are red flags out and uh, snow surfing, but you think, I can imagine these saves. So you paddle out and you paddle out and you paddle out in these huge waves and you're loving it and then you get in trouble and the tide and the rip current starts to take you further and further out and then you're in the water and you're desperate and you realise you've been a fool and you wave, you wave hoping someone will see you and of course the lifeguard who says you shouldn't have gone out does see you and he rescues you. And faith in that sense is just calling for help. It's calling for help. When you're back on the sea, you can't say, yeah, I'm saved because I called for help. You're saved by mercy alone. You're saved by grace alone from this lifeguard. And as Christians, we are saved by grace alone. Our faith is simply the calling out for God to help us. That's all it is. And when we see this, when we really get this, it is so freeing. Because we can be totally secure in Christ, who has done everything that we need for us to be right with him. 
Now, very often I'm tempted to doubt my acceptance with God. I guess we all are. We all have insecurities. And what we start to do, I think, is we start to look at this law of works. Well, what have I done? Even we start to look at our faith. Have I done enough? Have I believed enough? It's still a law of works in one sense because we're looking inwardly. But the law of faith is to not look inwardly. That's a law of works. A law of faith is to look outwardly at the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a very, very helpful saying. I mean, I got, when I got told, it was about 10 years ago, and some said we all know the cliche, and I hadn't heard of it at that point. So just in case you've never heard of it, for the avoidance of that, I'm going to tell you now. It's about the Christian life. And it says this, For one look within, take ten looks at him. For one look within, take ten looks at him. When you're tempted to doubt your acceptance by God, stop looking inwards. Look outwards. Look at the Lord Jesus Christ. He's done everything for you and he loves you. Imagine going into a wonderful art gallery. I guess they're... um, on my mind a lot at the moment because you see all these like stop the oil protesters go up to these um, really valuable paintings I'm not suggesting doing that but um, as you go in I've been to the Louvre and I've been to Paris you see the Mona Lisa it's amazing you can get up close but imagine taking a hand mirror into the Louvre and you go in and you, there's this beautiful piece of artwork and all you're doing is looking at yourself it'd be crazy wouldn't it you don't go into the Louvre Museum to look at yourself you go in there to look at the Mona Lisa or whatever piece of art takes your fancy And there's a sense in which that is what we're tempted to do in the Christian life. Christ is being held up for us as the one who's died for us. He has shed his blood and we are righteous. He's been raised for us. And all we're doing is looking at the mirror. We're not looking at him. We're looking at the mirror. We're told by my boasting and we're told to look to Jesus. That's what the law of faith is. Keep looking at yourself for one Sorry, keep Christ ahead of yourself. For one look within, take ten looks at him. Hold Christ before yourself. Keep looking at him. Well, the Apostle Paul, he moves on. um, Verse 29 and 30. I'll keep reading. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not God of the Gentiles also? Yes, the Gentiles also. Since God is one, he will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So now Paul's um, examining a hypothetical question, saying uh, your objection might lead you to this. You might be thinking um, you've got to keep the law to be a Christian. But then he's saying, well, if that's the case, what about the people who had no law. Sure, if you're a Jew, you, you, you have the law. But what about people now uh, who had no law? Surely they'd never be able to be saved. If that was the salvation principle, you need to look to the law. And he's saying, no, 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 no. In that case, God would be the God of the Jews only. Only one small handful of people. Now, in the Old Testament, that is evidently not the case. God's people are saved and they're special and they're a treasure to him. But what is their purpose? It was to make God be seen, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, to the whole world. That the whole world might see this people and say, wow, if that's the way you live, you must have an amazing God. And we see hints in the Old Testament of people coming in to God's people saying, wow, what a wonderful God you must have. And in fact, 
sometimes there are calls to the whole world to turn to God. I mean, listen to this just as one example. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 22. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. There has always been a call for the whole world to come back to God through Jesus Christ. And so we've seen there's no room for boasting because we need to look to Jesus. But now we see Jesus is for everybody. This is a principle for everybody. All of us need to start looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me just speak to you, maybe if you're new to Christian things here, maybe you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, maybe you've not been Christian long, maybe you're not sure what you think, maybe uh, you're one of the children at church, you think, am I a Christian in the same way that an adult is a Christian? Well, the Apostle Paul is saying clearly, look, this salvation is for all people. God is God of the whole earth. And therefore this salvation is for all people because it's not about us. It's not about your age. It's not about your morality. It's not about what you know. It's about the rule of faith. It's simply about throwing yourself on the mercy of Christ. It's about looking to Christ for your acceptance and from your, for your righteousness. Nothing can stop you being fully 100% being accepted by God. If you ask him for mercy. Maybe you've got loads of baggage in your background. Lots of sort of complex thoughts that you might have. And maybe you've got a past and actually you think, hmm, is this coherent with the gospel? I mean, does God really save people like me? I mean, you don't know the things I've done. And of course, I don't know the things that you've done. But we're saved, aren't we? Not by a law of works, not by what we've done. We're saved by the law of faith. We're saved by looking for Christ. And that means this good news is for everybody. It's for absolutely everybody. We're not saved by our performance. Please, if you've not committed to Christ yet, commit to Christ today in the sure confidence that he will accept you, that he will hold you fast. If you're a child here, become a full Christian today. If you have not already, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus and be confident that he does accept you 100%. All of us shouldn't delay. The only barrier between uh, being God's enemy and God's friend is seven words. God have mercy on me, a sinner. Or you could say one word, help. Help, and he will. He will forgive you. Let's move on to the final uh, set of questions. Um, Just one question. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. There's a there's a question that's basically saying, look, if it doesn't matter what I do at all, if it doesn't, if sorry, if it's not through a works principle, if it's not through what I do that makes me right with God, does it matter at all what I do? Well, the answer to that question we fleshed out later on in the letter in full. But for now, Paul says, no, 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 we do uphold the law, and we can see already why he does that. It's a law that shows us that we need to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. And having looked to Christ, it's the law that shows us the good life. Don't you ever played a, a game where you ignore the rules? I sometimes say to my children, we'll play a game, and they're not quite playing the game right. So, oh, do you want to know the rules? I'll teach you. They're like, no, no, we're having our own game. And I'm like, but this game's rubbish. If you throw out the rules of a game, or the laws of a game, you could say it doesn't work. And actually, that's what we do to life. When we throw out his ways to live, life doesn't work as well. 
and it'll get fleshed out later on. So the Apostle Paul, he's saying, well, don't, don't um, throw the, the law out how to live. God's, God's ways are wonderful. Later on, he'll say they're holy laws, they're righteous laws, and they're good laws, but they're not what save you. They're not what make you acceptable to Christ. It is Christ himself, so keep looking to him. Well, let me draw to a conclusion and a close. Bye bye boasting. There's no place for boasting in the Christian life because Jesus is the one who makes us right with God. So look to Jesus. The one look within, take ten looks at him. And this law, this rule of faith, is for everyone, without exception, no matter what your past, no matter what your history, no matter what your age. Come to Jesus today. If you have not, all of us, stop looking inwardly today. Look to Jesus today. Because the law of faith is for everybody without exception. Because the gospel is for everybody without exception. Jesus Christ died for everyone who would come to him. And let me try and drive this home. It is one of the most freeing things that you can believe. That your salvation is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. The relief that Christ died for you. The release that it's not up for you to save yourself. That what you have done for your acceptance with God does not matter. It's a wonderful truth. Particularly as we examine ourselves, just what we've done this weekend, what we've done this past week, what we're likely to do. Stop looking at ourselves. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. And if we grasp this, it's a totally transformative truth. You see, the insecure become secure. Those with inferiority complexes can set them free because we become truly humble. And actually, whether or not we are inferior or not, the point of the gospel is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where your place in the pecking order is. Because the Lord Jesus Christ has died for you and you are righteous to God. He's accepted you. And if he's accepted you, does it really matter what anyone else thinks of you? Answer, no, it doesn't. So look to Jesus and know the joy of forgiven sins. Know the joy of a righteous status before your Father in heaven. Let's close in prayer and let's pray that those things would be true for us in our hearts. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the good news of the gospel. And Father, you know how inclined we are. Having believed the, uh, having believed the gospel, having understood the gospel, we still so often look back at ourselves and our own performance. Father, we pray that we'd stop doing this and help us look to Christ every day. For one look within, indeed, would we take ten looks at him? Would, we, would our life be formed around the fact that daily we're looking to Jesus, we're thankful to Jesus that, we, that he's died for us and we are totally accepted in your sight, that you are for us and therefore it doesn't matter who's against us. We praise you and we thank you and we pray that all of us in this congregation would be looking to Christ for our acceptance before you and please would that be sweet to us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.